Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, as always, are Kip, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And uh, as I always say with every show, it's pretty packed. we got a lot we want to talk about. Uh, we got Corky Kell. we got some predictions for Georgia in the 2019 season. We're going to talk some recruiting at the end of the show. We've got a lot to get to, but before we get to that, Rusty, you had Corky Kell this weekend. You're out there calling games. Chris Collinsworth, uh, I almost said Phil Sims. We'll say Tony Romo. Nobody likes Phil Sims, but Tony Romo style. What was that experience like, man, and how did it all go for you? That was cool. The uh, Marietta game obviously was – know anything about the numbers and all that but evidently the that was a record amount of streams nationwide so that tells you the eric gilbert effect everybody tuned in thursday night uh to watch them play rome they they beat the brakes off of rome that doesn't happen much up here in fact that was the first home game rome had lost since 2015 so to lose it the way they did and they lost a lot but but marietta is who they are uh, there's a lot of star star power it was it was so you could tell the buzz because they dress them across the street and then they walk into the stadium. So Marietta walks in about the fourth quarter, about midway through the fourth quarter of Ridgeland Calhoun. And they walk on the home side on the Rome home side. And here they are in white on white, man, they're two by two. And they, and you know, they're impressive in person. I mean, I told our, I told Matt Stewart, a guy I was doing it with and, I said, man, it looks like stormtroopers. I mean, they were marching together two by two, huge. Uh, it was impressive, and they went on to jump on Rome early, and, uh, you know, they ranked number one in the state for a reason. But Eric Gilbert, you know, I come away with it, like I said on on Ramblings on Friday. He wants to play wide receiver. He never put his hand down. He never played defense. Uh, he was spread out all night. The one time he was in a bunch set, he was standing up on the end of the line and he actually um, ran a little rub route from that position. So his mind frame is he wants to play wide receiver. He's six five, two fifty. And I don't see any reason why he can't. He does he's just so polished, such a big guy. Uh, that one handy catch was ridiculous, but uh, it, it was impressive. I'll tell you, I made a note on the board, made a note yesterday, Kip probably watched it as well. I was equally impressed with Barrett Carter. I mean I didn't know how physical he was but watching him play inside linebacker, then play running back, then play outside rush in, everybody knows I'm not big into comparing guys, especially a high school player to an NFL guy, but if you made me do it, I mean, that that's the first time that I've had those Roquan vibes, and I didn't get to see Nakobe play high school. I watched him work out one morning at practice, but, man, Barrett Carter was special. He blew a guard up. They, they sent him on a delayed blitz. And Colquitt's got some some grown men now on the offensive line. And he absolutely blew their left guard up and then went in and got the blitz. And, you know, that gives you a lot of – got the sack on the blitz. That gives you a lot of the Roquan vibe, cover side to sideline. So very, very impressed with him. Uh, McKeatron is loaded. Franklin Stevens is doing well there. Didn't get a chance to watch as much. I was in between games, so I'm going to go back and watch them. I did watch the first quarter. So I'll go back and watch Jamil Burroughs. I, I will say Jamil wearing nine and losing weight makes him look a lot slimmer uh, to me. So uh, be interested to watch that tape. Maybe Kip watch some of that. But I'll get back to watch the tape here in a few minutes and probably give uh, you know my feedback on Monday. But all in all, it was cool. Uh, calling, calling the game, I couldn't help but think. But 
calling a game from the 50 yard line at Mercedes Benz, you sit up there and you know all those CBS guys that's done it and the big games up there, Super Bowl has been called from there. So that, that was cool. Uh, it's definitely, you test your vocabulary. You have to talk on every play and you're describing plays and trying to stay focused. So uh, we had a blowout last night, kind of a high, not a high scoring game yesterday. So it really tests you, but Matt Stewart's professional. It was, it was fun to work with him. Cool deal. We'll see what comes of it if I ever do it again, but uh, it was a fun experience. Gib, before we jump into uh, our predictions and, and what we got to say as far as that goes, how, how's everything been going with you, man? Going great. I think uh, two, three times this past week, I was able to um, I was able to try out that that Popeyes that 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 fried chicken sandwich. Uh, and I've had about three of the spicy chicken sandwiches at, at this point. the The last one was the toughest to get because. You know, that, that Popeye's chicken sandwich hit nationwide and started trending, went viral. Uh, one thing I'll say about Popeye's versus Chick-fil-A is, uh, you know, Chick-fil-A's used to having that line out the, you know, out, out of the parking lot. Popeye's, they, they were not prepared for this at all. And, and they totally, you know, they just weren't ready to handle it, to, to be like Chick-fil-A for a week. But that, that chicken sandwich is no joke. The spicy one, obviously, is the one to get. Uh, that, you know, the brioche bun, the, the, the pickles on there, cutting into that spice. Great, uh, great, you know, chew, the, the crispiness to the meat and, and the, the size of the meat's kind of what sets it apart. And you get that nice little, uh, you know, the, the slow heat that comes in on it. Uh, it's, uh, it's a game changer. I don't, once, once they start figuring out how to handle some business, uh, I think, I think they might have something there, but. You know, uh, I, it, it is the real deal, and, um, you know, I like the fact that uh, someone's stepping up and, and, and trying to challenge Chick-fil-A. You know, they've been they've been at the top of the mountain for a long time. And no offense to Wendy's. You know, I love me some Zaxby's. Uh, but uh, it, it's good to see Popeye's throwing their hat into the ring and, and, and coming out with a, a legit chicken sandwich. So, uh, that, you know, that was the highlight of my week. I enjoyed listening to the Rusty. Thought he did a great job uh, on the air, uh, comparing him to some other people that were covering the games. Uh, did a great job there, and and, and loved the Roquan Smith comparison for uh, Bear Carter. Tough to tough to have that that comparison thrown at him. I know that's going to put a lot of you know a lot of eyes on him, but uh, just early on, you know, he lived up to it in that game. Just the way he flew to the football, uh, his ability to. Uh, you know he's 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 i don't want to use the word deceptively strong but he he's strong for that size and and again he's already a little bit bigger than roquan was at the same stage going into that junior season i believe roquan was uh you know about a buck 96 somewhere around there so uh i like where barrett carter is in his development right now uh, out of north Cornette and you know, for the Georgia fans listening, uh, I definitely like where the Bulldogs stand in his recruitment right now. For those who uh, didn't read the Dogs 24-7 interview I had with him uh, earlier this summer after his visit to Georgia, I mean, he admitted he grew up a Bulldogs fan. That offer was a dream offer, and that uh, pretty much the Georgia's kind of set the bar right now. So, you know, it's got to be uh, encouraging to hear when you we start to, to turn toward that 2021 class with Georgia having – uh, at the most, maybe you know six, seven spots right now. Uh, that you know they got a chance to get a kid who has a you know some, showing some early th- signs of being a special player. 
Well, hey, listen, I think at this point we've got to consider renaming this podcast Football and Fried Chicken, okay? Because give me, you and I, are we're, we've landed on a gold mine in Nashville next week because our hotel is, is like going to be a block away from a Hattie B's. So I can go ahead and tell you I'm probably going to eat there like three times, and we'll be talking about that on the podcast. We got Popeyes, we got Bojangles, you know. It, shoot, I, we can talk about fried chicken all day on this thing. You you can tell there's you can tell there's you know three of us on this podcast that that we we, we all go on diets periodically, and there's a reason for it. So, uh, but yeah, man. Uh, so so let's jump into the show. Let's jump into the to the meat of the show, and and this tar- we're going into some predictions. And we're going to do a little something different. Rusty and I, listen, we're on the hook. All right, I made my my game by pick game predictions today. Rusty made his earlier this month, I think, before preseason camp or right as preseason camp was starting. We've got Georgia going undefeated. I'll go ahead and say this to my undefeated prediction, Rusty, and I want to get your thoughts on this too. I understand. I'm the last person that needs to be reminded that it's likely to that, that a team loses a game. That it's hard to go undefeated. That it's. I understand how difficult it is. But when I go when I went through that schedule, I couldn't find a team that I really felt confident that Georgia would lose to, and so that's why I went with the undefeated season. Eleven and one's not going to surprise me at all. Ten and two wouldn't just blow me away, surprise me, even though I don't expect this team to lose more than one game. Uh, but but so we're on the hook there. So Rusty and I we're going to jump into this thing real quick, and and we're going to talk playoff because if Georgia's going undefeated in the regular season, Georgia's in the playoff come hell or high water. Okay, Rusty. Same way. So both of us, I'm pretty sure, and Rusty, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, both of us are going to have Alabama and Clemson in that thing too. So, Rusty, who's your fourth team getting in the playoff? Um, kind of thought a little bit about this afternoon uh, based off some discussions this weekend. And, you know, the, here's, here's the reality. And we covered Georgia. So we're in a different world right now than – 98% of the college football teams. In my opinion right now, there's only, I think, about five teams, maybe six, that have a chance to win this. We could we could talk about this the rest of the night, whether it's good for college football or not. But being truthful, I think there's five or six teams that have a chance to win this before the season even starts. Georgia being one, Alabama, Clemson, obviously, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and those teams. I do think I'll get into this to answer your question. If I'm going to add a team to that, I really want to pick Ohio State. And I'm going to say this, and people are going to fly off the handle and assume something. I'm not sure Justin Fields is quite ready to lead them into this type of setting and, and, and go deep this year. I do think Justin Fields is going to be a hell of a player, and I think he's going to be everything that that the recruiting industry thought he could be again. He's got like 19 starts since his ninth grade year. Trevor, I think is pushing 74. there in the same class or 67. They're in the same recruiting class. Justin Fields has a lot of learning to do. He needs live bullets. I'll answer the question by saying this quarterback play dictates this a lot, just like the point guards do in the NCAA tournament guard play quarterback play will help you in this in these getting in these playoff games and I really really love Sam Ellinger from uh Texas I think he is a a gamer I think Georgia fans know that from watching him uh last year uh in the Sugar Bowl now 
Texas uh, did lose a lot of starters compared to last year. They only got five coming back on offense and three coming back on defense, where they had ten coming back on defense last year. I don't think Georgia fans realized they had seven seniors on defense. You'll never hear that ever again on a team. Georgia will never have seven seniors starting on defense. Kids leave early, this transfer portal, all of that. I mean, I don't think Georgia fans realized, and I didn't either until we got into the media preparing for that game, they had seven freaking seniors starting on defense. That's a lot of experience. Now, they got LSU at home. They got Oklahoma State at home. They go to Dallas for the Oklahoma game. And then after that, man, they got a little trip to West Virginia, and I really liked how their schedule sets up. you got a quarterback. They've been recruiting well. I'm a Tom Herman guy. I think he can do well there. I think Texas is that team, and, man, this pains me to say it if Trey Scott's listening. I think Texas is that team that can take that next step and get into this circle, uh, quote-unquote, with the big boys and be here from year, every year to be a, to be a potential uh, playoff team. That's Trey Scott from 247 Sports, in case you guys are listening. That's not Travion Scott, the Georgia's defensive line coach. There's T-R-E-Y Scott. That's our Trey. And uh, he's very involved with these podcasts, and, and 247 Spot Podcast nationally does a great job for us. Yeah, I, I like I that pick, Rusty. That's a great point you brought up about the seniors, because if you look back at that 2017 Georgia defense, I think two guys – uh, two of these, you know, two of the seniors got drafted. Actually, I think just Roquan and and Lorenzo, but they had uh, I want to say eight seniors starting on that defense in the national championship game. Eight seniors plus J.R. Reed, uh, plus DeAndre Baker. Uh, so a lot of the talent on that defense was, was a little bit younger. You know, Jonathan Ledbetter, guys like that. Sure. But you know, John Atkins and Roquan Smith, Lorenzo, Davin, uh, uh, Reggie Carter. Dominic Sanders, Aaron Davis go on and on and on. Malcolm Parrish, I know he struggled in that national championship game, but played really well for Georgia in his career. So, yeah, th- those seniors definitely matter. I'm going to go a little bit off the board. Um, I like Oklahoma. I like Texas. I, I even like Ohio State because I'm on the record. I think Justin Fields is going to make a trip to New York at some point before his college football career is over. Listen, this is not going to be a popular pick because I know what Georgia fans think of this guy, this head coach. But there's just something – I've just it's just a gut feeling that I, I just think Michigan, with the change at Ohio State and the, their defensive coaching staff and bringing in Josh Gaddis to handle, to handle Shea Patterson, I think Michigan – I'm going to pick them for my four spot just because I think that this is the year they get over the hump against Ohio State. I think they learned a lot last year with – the beatdown of a of beatdown from Ohio State and 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 the Notre Dame loss early in the season, and uh, I think Michigan wins the big wins the Big Ten and plays in the national championship game. Uh, they lost a lot on that defense, no doubt about it. I mean, they lost some studs, but they've they've taken their fullback and beefed him up, and now he's a three technique. Uh, they're 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 talented. They're they're going to be well coached. Uh, you know, I I know I, I kind of poked fun at it last year with with all the talk of Michigan having the number one defense in the country and being the best defense in the country. Uh, that I I thought that was kind of way premature and, and a little bit of a reflection of the competition they played. But I look at the schedule. I think they can work it. And uh, you know, I know it's going to be obnoxious. Uh, they hear in the media talk about it because you know, listen, Jim Harbaugh is out there. Okay, he, he's out there as a guy, and he, his name is out there. They love talking about him, 
But listen, he, he's the only head coach that I know of in college football that's ever coached in a Super Bowl. I mean, he got a, he got an NFL team to the Super Bowl. He's coached on the biggest stage. I mean, he deserves his props in that regard. But but I think Michigan gets in it. And, and, and listen, I, I don't necessarily think Michigan's got what it takes to hang with the likes of Clemson and Alabama and maybe even Georgia. Uh, you know, I mentioned those first teams first just because they've been there. They've done that. They've won the championships. They've showed the ability to play dominant football on a big stage like that. Georgia hasn't exactly done that yet. Uh, but but I, I don't necessarily th- – I think they're, they're going to make it. But if they make it, I think it's going to be pretty clear that they're the odd man out of that top four and, and that they're not there uh, because they're the best team in the country. They're going to be there because they earned it and, and they, they kind of uh, had the magical season that allowed them to get there. But, but I think, you know, when, when we look back on the season's end, if, if Michigan's one of the teams in the playoff, I think you're looking at a team that kind of maybe gets knocked around a little bit in the playoff, but that's going to be my pick. I also think Ohio state can get there. I would kind of put them fourth on my list and, Texas second and and I mean I'm sorry Oklahoma second and and uh uh I'm sorry yeah Oklahoma second Texas third and then uh and then Michigan fourth on that list and then you know I I, I mean sorry uh, Ohio State I'm getting all twisted up here but Ohio State fourth on that list and then Michigan there that's my power rankings for that number four spot so uh, but I do think Michigan has what it takes to get there um, I think I, I, but I'm totally with you. Six, maybe seven teams, maybe eight. If somebody gets wild and goes crazy, like Utah or somebody like that, but maybe Oregon as well is kind of in that mix. But that that's something. And you said we could talk about it all night, and we can. I mean, name ten teams that can get there and and talk about how whether or not it's good for college football. Uh, I know it's. It is what it is, but I, I don't necessarily know you extend the thing to eight teams for a playoff or 16 teams for a playoff. I still don't think you're you're dealing with any more than 10 teams that really have a chance to be in the final four and win it uh, because some of those teams are going to be overmatched. But it'll be really interesting to see uh, as far as that goes. Now, Kip, since you're not on the hook and since you're not picking Georgia for an undefeated season or not on the record as doing that, I want to hear a bold prediction from you just for Georgia football this year. Something that's a little bit off the radar, maybe a big jump, maybe something maybe something that's expected to change, but you think it's going to stay the same. Whatever it is, what's your bold prediction for Georgia football this year? Somebody's got to make a bold prediction here. I mean, Georgia's going to be favored in every game this year. So, you know what? That's fine. You guys, you guys can have those predictions. Uh, I don't think a lot of people are going to hold you to it, but you know what? I'm going to I'm going to go out there. I'll go out on a limb. You know, I I look at this Georgia team, and we look at the biggest question marks for this team. I mean, it's basically two things. One, obviously, the wide receiver production, where it's going to come from. I don't think that's as big a deal as it's being made out to be. I think the guys that they need will step up in the, in the moments when they need them to, and they're going to rotate those guys in, and they have the talent. You know, it's really about the fact that these guys aren't household names right now. And, and, and when you look at the, the, the second big question mark on this team, it's it's obviously something that Kirby Smart has is, is made a focal point of this offseason. I mean, they've talked about havoc plays, creating havoc plays, you know, over and over again, even though he spent last year talking about, you know, how they don't really pay attention to sacks. And, and, and I kind of agree to extend it's about affecting the quarterback. But I mean, we all know that, you know, that is an aspect of this defense that hasn't really, 
you know, you know, shown up in the statistics. And so when you look at this this uh, edge rusher group, uh, the linebackers, and, and you look at the fact that DeAndre Walker is gone, and uh, and then now Brenton Cox is gone as well. You know, that is almost all of their production. I think it's every single start they had at the Jack linebacker position last year is not on the on the team anymore. So that's that's got to be that second question mark uh, for Georgia heading into the season that we just don't have an answer for right now. And, and so when I'm looking at my bowl prediction, I'm looking at this linebacker group, and, and I'm seeing a lot of guys that, that I think are going to step up big this season. And I look at – you just look at the numbers last year. I mean, they were – they were number 100 in the in the country, uh, you know, in sacks out of 129 teams. They were last in the SEC. I think there were only like seven Power Five teams that had less sacks than Georgia did last year. And, and so, regardless of whether you you know how high you value the the stat statistic, you know, getting to the quarterback is really important. I mean, it's it's imperative, and it really defines you know whether or not you're able to control. Uh, you know that side of the game, if you know, hold these these teams back, especially when you get the lead and you force them into these passing situations. Whether you let them get back in the game, and, and you know, I look at this group, and and you know, the squad only had 24 sacks last year. But when I start looking at, at the guys they have on the roster right now, and I I look at Jermaine Johnson, you know, if he's able to stay healthy and, and avoid the you know kind of the ankle injuries that have affected him since he's got to Georgia in the spring. You, you look at the, the talent level that Jermaine Johnson has. You look at Nolan Smith as a true freshman, but then you really look at the uh, the other guys that are coming back. You look at Adam Anderson, you know, another year in the strength and conditioning program, and you really look at the potential breakout player that we've talked about so many times on the show already in Aziz Ojolari, a guy that, you know, could easily end up with double-digit sacks this season, you know, if he continues to uh, to show what he has so far this offseason. You know, my bold prediction for this group is that it goes from a group that, again, only had 24 sacks last season to uh, a group that is top five in the SEC in sacks, a, a group that could push 35-plus sacks and potentially be a top 20 unit in the country in, in, in sacks this season. It, it's got that kind of potential. You know, I, I think the group overall – uh, has that kind of ability and, and and it's really when we saw when DeAndre Walker went out last year in that SEC championship game I mean they just didn't have a, an answer for Jalen Hurts at all and, and, and this group right now I think is is much more prepared to have an impact in that in that side of the game and, and I think it's going to show up this season and it's going to add you know a, another level uh, to Dan Lanning's defense, it's gonna it's gonna make him look pretty good in his his first year defensive coordinator. If we're talking about a third question mark for this team, it's the fact that they have brand new offensive and defensive coordinators. And I think uh, if you're Dan Lanning, you know, yeah, I mean, you could be nervous being your first year. You just got handed the keys to a you know a, a program that's a top three ranking heading into the season. Uh, that's that's a a heck of a first gig for you to have. But at the same time, you have to be excited about the fact that you can put your stamp on on having a group that you coached, you know, last season, and, and you are, are having a chance to show that you can develop these guys and, and they can put put up big numbers. And and really, I mean, when you're able to affect the quarterback, uh, that that makes that secondary look great out there, and, and it really kind of uh, slows the game down for everybody. 
So basically, Georgia finishes 100 in, in nationally in sacks last year at, at uh, um, I think, just a little over a sack a game, maybe almost two sacks a game, somewhere in that neighborhood. And, and 35 to 40 would definitely put Georgia into that top four range, and that would be an absolute, I mean, huge growth from, from one year to the next. And, and it all comes down, like you said, to all the different bodies that Georgia can throw at it. And I think philosophy is going to change too because – you look back at last year and, and even the year before, listen, I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I think Dominic Sanders and, and Malcolm Parrish and Aaron Davis were all very good college football players. They're not on the same level as the guys, guys Georgia has right now. They're just not. And, and not only are they not on the same guys that, that Georgia has now in terms of size and speed and athleticism, but just the ability to limit big plays. And I think you'll see this, this defense start to take more chances. One thing I've noticed is that when Georgia plays your Oklahomas and your Alabamas of the world, even, even Florida in the, in the two games since Kirby Smart's uh, been at, uh, in, the, in these last two years, I'm sorry, uh, Georgia's been able to pressure the quarterback when it really wants to. When it'll really cut the guys loose and let them go, they've been able to get after the quarterback. And I think you'll you'll see them make it a little bit more of a conscious attempt to do that uh, this year. And and you know that that'll be interesting to see how that plays up because if Georgia gets up around that forty sack mark, I think that's pretty interesting. On a little bit of a side note, I was looking at sacks while you're doing that. Crazy stat, just going to bring it up. We don't have to discuss it, but Clemson had fifty four sacks last year for three hundred eighteen yards lost. Mississippi State had seven less yards lost than, than Clemson did, 311, with 15 less sacks. That's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I don't know how in the world that happened. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, let's move on a little bit to recruiting and, and talk about what's going on there. Uh, uh, we're going to start off just kind of with some of the standouts from Corky Kell because Rusty got to see those guys up close and personal. Uh, he got to see a lot of Georgia targets. We've already talked about Barrett Carter. We've already talked about Eric Gilbert. Rusty, who else impressed you? Well, obviously we had the rain out on Friday night, which was unexpected and crazy and just uh, just kind of threw a monkey in the wrench there a little bit uh, with the rain out at Cool Ray, but with that being said, I left there, called Kip on the way. I was like, Kip, I'm going to see um, Camden County. They were up here playing West Forsyth. And got a chance to see Michael Morris, who is the 2021 uh, offensive tackle. is already an All-American already. Um, you know, very highly recruited uh, player from there. He just turned 16 years old on Sunday. Uh, kid 6'5". 315. I mean, it's crazy how young he is. He really should be a 2022. Uh, but he's a 2021 uh, in his class. So he was dominant. I know Georgia's recruiting him hard. He released his top schools today. But from everything I'm kind of hearing on this deal, uh, this is probably going to wind up being a George. I know fans want to hear this. or It doesn't matter, really, because Sam Pittman's, uh is that guy. But this could be a Georgia-Alabama-Clemson battle uh, for him. And right now, I do like where Georgia is. Auburn's kind of in the mix a little bit there. But very smart kid, mom and dad, very, very uh, grounded people. 
Um, great young man. Got a chance to watch Jamie Felix, their running back, who's also already on the top 100 players in the 2022 class on 24-7 sports. Interesting about Jamie, he's a big-time baseball prospect. Um, he was telling me he spent – he was in Cartersville, basically our left point complex. He lives in Kingsland, so you're probably talking four, four and a half hours away. He spent a lot of his time this summer up here in northwest Georgia playing uh, travel baseball, high-level travel baseball. So, been interesting with Felix. He's a two-sport guy, but, man, he was good. They killed West Forsyth, uh, just destroyed him, and got on a bus and went wherever. Bob Spire, the old North Gwinnett coach, is there. Told me they spent the night Thursday night at a 4-H camp in Macon. So, that would have been interesting. You know, 125 kids at a 4-H camp said so they had air-conditioned cabins with internet. So, sounds good to me. But uh, obviously, everybody got to see all the games. Uh, Zach Rosman, the sophomore quarterback at Walton, was really, really good. Um, we'll get into a story about him. Uh, young man was eighth grader. His younger brother passed away. I believe he was a fifth grader at the time. Uh, it's a very, very deep story. Uh, but but Zach always plays for him, and he is a absolute baller. Bandy just offered him. He'll pick up more offers uh, as it goes. He had a, a ball yesterday on the money late in the game and brought them back. They were down. 20 to seven in the fourth quarter, Norcross. He brought them back. They won 21 20. So, a lot of a lot of good teams there, man. And uh, state of Georgia, um, it is what it is. Loaded. I mean, we can talk about Eric Gibbon. You know, the rest of the night. One of the most impressive performances I think I've ever seen in, in the state of Georgia. I've seen some good ones, uh, but just who he is and uh, how big he is, and and just how unique. I think how unique his skill set is and his frame. You know, we could talk about Eric Gilbert the rest of the night, but yeah, I'll go on the record right now. I do think Alabama is a team to beat with Georgia and Tennessee on the outside looking in. These official visits are going to be very, very crucial for him because he told me last week and his mother told me last week this will probably not go through football season. So at some point in the next two, two and a half months, uh, maybe late November, uh, they're going to make a decision. Wouldn't be a good podcast unless we talked about Zach Evans for a little bit. Kip, what are you hearing as far as that goes, and what are you monitoring? I mean, that's that's basically the the question of the month. I think that's the uh, the only thing that uh, the the fans on the on the junkyard or besides the actual football season are, are, are really want to know about right now. And you know, uh, there's nothing new to report with Zach Evans, but I wouldn't take that as a bad thing. Uh, again, I've maintained. From what I heard, you know, he plans on going public with a, with a commitment, you know, sooner rather than as late as he's getting on. He maintains he's taking these official visits. If you went and, and, and held a, a recorder in his face right now, I, I believe he would say the exact same thing, you know, as we record this podcast, that, that he plans on taking his official visits. And, and really, the biggest question for me, other than this monitoring to see what he does, is if, if he announces a commitment let's just say in the next two weeks, does he really shut it down? You know, if he announces a commitment, and we like where Georgia stands right now in, in Zach Evans's recruitment, but if he announces a commitment to Georgia in the near future, or is he taking these other official visits? And, and we haven't heard anything that makes us think he's not going to. So we want to hear, again, what his plans are, and then behind the scenes, you know, uh, what are the other programs – uh, doing to to try to get him on campus regardless of what he says. I think it's a recruitment. Again, we're going to have to monitor him regardless uh, and, until he signs. It's just 
he's that kind of player. The, the programs are not going to give up the recruitment of him. But, again, I think no news is good news because Georgia's in a good spot right now with him. We're seeing running backs kind of come off the board. I know you know Alabama recently got a, a running back commitment. That being said, <laughs> the, again, if Georgia got another running back commitment today or tomorrow, Zach Evans has a spot when he wants it at, at any point. But at the same time, you know, you, you see that momentum uh, with Georgia getting him on campus last and, and, and impressing him. I, I think they're in a good spot. And, I mean, if, for those who watched, you know, these games on ESPN over the weekend, you know, the Georgia commitments looking pretty good on, on national television and, and just looking and seeing what Kendall Milton did against, you know, a, uh, a team that was, was much, you know, much better than his team. No offense to Buchanan, but – that Narbonne team is loaded with D1 prospects and, and really put the throttle on them. And he still went out there and ran for 133 yards and a touchdown, I think, like on 27 carries. And he may not have been the most impressive Georgia player on national TV. You look at that Marcus Rosemey catch for St. Thomas Aquinas. You know, got the number two spot in the Sports Center top 10. So, uh, you know, between those two guys, it's, it's looking good for Georgia in this. 2020 class and then you know they may have been outdone by Tay Ravage I mean you see him out there knocking down 55 yard punts at 322 pounds uh you know that's that doesn't scream rare skill set I, I don't know what does so again Zach Evans sticking with my you know what I've heard nothing's changed in that regard and, and it looks like uh you know Georgia commitments starting the season out with some impressive performances uh over the weekend I want to comment on that because I we get so many questions and Kip has been all over this Evan stuff. So I've kind of let Kip handle this and he's done a fantastic job with that. But you know, people of the board get sometimes irritated with me by saying this kid's going to take visits. If he commits to Alabama or if he were to commit to LSU or if he were to commit to Texas a and I would say the same thing. He's going to take visits. Sooner or later, he's going to take visits. And – that doesn't mean he doesn't end up – if he commits to Georgia and takes visits, that doesn't mean he's not going to end up at Georgia. But this one's not going to be over the day he the day he commits, in my opinion. He is going to take visits to other places. Uh, if he does choose Georgia, I feel pretty good that the, the chances of them landing him are going to be good. But I want to be clear and I want to be up front because we will be the ones answering for this on the message board. Why is he here? So we're telling you up front, based off everything we hear, you see the other sites, you know, all of our guys agree as a network that this guy's going to take visits. And look, that's his choice. He's a high school All-American. You know, I've made it clear he's an alpha running back, in my opinion, in this class. He is that guy. He is the difference maker at running back, in my opinion, in this class. And if Georgia gets him and Kendall Milton, it's an absolute grand slam home run knock it out of the park, walk off Grand Slam to win the World Series. These are that too good of players. But I want to be clear that we do think he's going to take visits, so we're just telling people up front if he does commit to Georgia so we don't answer that every week. You know, one of the things I find interesting about Zach Evans is, uh, you know, there have been some big-time backs come out uh, of late. This cat is on the verge of being an all-time five-star because they're theoretically 32 five-stars with 32 first-round picks and, and all of that stuff. He's number 34 all-time 
in the industry generated 247 sports composite. It, there just aren't very many guys in the history of the 247 sports composite that are bigger than that one. And, and that's one of the reasons why we keep kind of beating this drum and, and wanting to talk about it because it is a very interesting recruitment for a very elite football player and uh and georgia seems to be in the catbird seat right now and that's all they can ask for you don't you don't want to be one of the teams he doesn't choose that day because it's a lot harder to break up than it is to than it is to try and you know lure him away from whoever he's uh committed to and and uh that'll definitely give georgia a a big time boost both in the in in the composite team rankings and and uh, even if there's recruitment isn't over for him in general. Uh, real quick, uh, Georgia got a commitment, 2021 prospect. Uh, Kip, you've got a little inf- – oh, I'm sorry, Rusty, you've got a little bit of information on this guy and, and kind of what he did at Georgia camp. Sure. Uh, t- talk to us about him real quick. Want to hear you guys' take on him. Again, uh, we kind of pride ourselves around here on being on time with news and those type of things. Kip's at the dentist. I was uh, away from my phone for 30 or 40 minutes, which is very rare. Young man commits, so – you know, we're scrambling trying to get information. So while Kip is actually getting the, inf- the, the articles and stuff together, I start checking with sources. The best thing I can tell you about him is he came to Georgia camp twice. And we were told he ran in the 4-5 range on both days, different times, different clocks. And he worked out two times for Georgia staff. So seeing those things, you know – that and we found out that for sure he was a take talking to our sources. Um, you know, regardless of what we know about him, we do know that. And the history with recruiting right now, you take a guy that's that hungry, not afraid to compete, goes down there, works out, goes down and works out again. Georgia probably said, Hey, this guy moved on our board. Let's take a look at him one more time. And if we like him, this guy's a take. And he came and worked out twice. And next thing you know, he's, a, he's an August commitment. So that's kind of the behind the scenes on that. So we feel confident in him right now as a as a George commit and a guy that's going to be in his class for them, the twenty twenty one class. Kid, what what are your ta- what's your take on this kid? I mean, I watched the film. He's definitely a playmaker. I think right now you look at him. You know, last year those sophomore highlights, he flashes more on offense. Right now, uh, a guy that just makes plays uh, and has a nose for the football. Uh, you know, uh, you, you want to see a little bit more physicality out of him. I, I think the range is there, though. You know, he had – I mean, I see a guy that can be that combo safety, uh, you know, a guy that, that can play left or right safety in, in Georgia's scheme. And, I mean, you look at – I mean, I look at a guy like, like you know, Corey Moore w- was able to do a little bit of, you know, of that at Georgia during his time. Similar measurables, you know, coming out of high school – a guy that uh, over time was able to, you know, add some physicality to his game and and really uh, that allowed him to, you know, have a couple years in the league, uh, you know, as a starter for the Houston Texans. So, uh, you know, early early film is all I have to kind of go off of, that sophomore film. Uh, and, and, again, verified size at, what, six, almost 6'2", 195 pounds, you know, I like what he brings to the table, and I like the early eval we have on him as a as a very high three star on twenty four seven sports, and he's he's a top twenty safety in the country right now, the top five player out of the, out of South Carolina. So, you know, it's 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 a solid early eval, and and you get these early commitments, and and then we we kind of watch and see how they develop over over, over the next year and a half. But 
and Georgia got one on the board, and, and uh, that, you get that momentum. You know, now you now you can start building building that class, and we can start trying to focus a little bit more on that cycle. Because again, like I said earlier, twenty twenty class is, you know, there there aren't a lot of spots left. So that that helps Georgia. I mean, that helps them turn the page and start paying more attention to those twenty twenty one early evals they've done, and start building that board out and and figuring out which guys they really want to focus on. Obviously, they like this guy enough to already take them. So, you know, that that speaks for itself. Rusty, last thing here real quick before we close this thing up. we got to get together at the Valentine sure. uh, Friday and uh, in Nash, Vegas, Tennessee. Uh, what's, uh, what's, what's the latest with that? Well, the biggest challenge for me Friday morning, I'll be doing Bill King, which we'll just put up a link on the board uh, for three hours with him, and that's from the Omni. And they have notified me that the bar will be open. So I, I'm no longer an, a, a Friday night All-American. So there's no way I'll be able to start at 7 a.m. on Friday and make it to 5 o'clock that afternoon. Uh, we are scheduled uh, to – I'm sure we'll be there a few minutes early. But we are committed between 5 and 7. There will be live music uh, on the first floor of the Valentine, And on the second floor – um, 680 will be there. They will be broadcasting live. Chuck and Chernoff will be broadcasting live. I don't think Chuck will be there, but I think Matt Chernoff will be there um, broadcasting live from there from about 1 o'clock on. And we'll have us a table where we're at. We'll kind of hang out in that area, but we'll be on the second floor. So when you come in, there will be live music downstairs. There is a, uh, a rooftop bar there as well. So I'm sure we'll stay longer than five to seven, but we'll be there definitely during that time on the second floor. So everybody that comes in, we'll be on the second floor along with 680 and those guys. And I think Fox 5 Atlanta is actually going to do a live shot uh, around 650, which will be 550 time up there. So it is the official UGA Alumni Association bar. That is where they do the UGA parties every weekend. That place will be banging on friday literally so looking forward to it man get a chance to meet everybody and um it's gonna be fun man that's gonna be real interesting finally put some uh faces to some screen names is, is gonna be fun something we should have done like this podcast we should have done this a long time ago uh but we're gonna make up for it and have a good time on friday night can't wait man really excited about that really excited about the season getting kicked off and getting this thing going like i said uh when when florida and miami were uh I don't know, man. Looking like two mangy mules fighting over a turnip the, uh, uh, on Saturday night. I, no football is a lot worse than than that week zero football, and I'm glad it's back. I'm, we got college football coming up, full slate of games this week, uh, full slate of the NFL games coming in a couple weeks. It's going to be all we can handle, and it'll be over before we know it. It's kind of like Christmas Day. You feel like. You know, you wake up at 6.30 a.m. or whatever and, and get started, and, and uh, you're looking forward to the day, and the next thing you know, it seems like it lasted about 10 minutes. Well, college football season seems like it lasts about a week, and then we're waiting on it for three or four more months. So uh, we're, we're definitely excited about all that, but for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, that's it. I'm Jake Rowe of Dogs 24-7. With me has been Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7, and we will talk to you guys later on. Take care. <laughs>